You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, Hope Hull. It's a joy to be with you guys. Had fun with the Sunday school group this morning earlier, and uh, just want to say thank you all for being here. Um, I want to greet folks online as well. Um, Joanna is here. We have Joanna. I think Blake just ran out. He's our youngest. He's seven. We also have two of our four girls. Sophie and Chloe are here, and uh, so our two oldest. We actually left in Kentucky. Um, so, but we have five kids total, and I, the reason I mention that is because I would love to advertise a prayer card, and some of you guys know what that is. Some of you may not, but we've got cards in the back. There's a table there. Um, there's a place if you want to sign up for an email or um, update kind of thing. We send out those semi-regularly. We'd love for you to be able to um, stay in touch with what God's doing in our lives and how He's given us opportunities for ministry and relationships. Um, the best way to do that is through email. But even more, we'd love you to grab a prayer card. And I've already had somebody this morning told me as they said, your, your family sits by my coffee pot. And I thought, man, that, that, I can't tell you how meaningful that is to Joanne and I. So uh, we just want to say thank you for your prayers. And I want to say thank you for your prayers. I think the last time we were here was 2019. And uh, we were just getting ready to go back to Uganda And so we're coming to kind of give a bit of an update this morning, share a little bit of what God's kind of doing in our hearts afresh. But you guys have been a part of of what has been happening in Uganda. We went back and we're working primarily with the church, the bishop and his leadership team for Africa Gospel Church, a denomination of about 180 or so churches uh, throughout Uganda. And uh, we were involved in discipleship, pastoral training, developing resources, and uh, and it was fun, a lot of fun. God did a lot of neat things, which is quite meaningful. Um, that is where we spent COVID, um, was in Uganda. And I, the reason I mention that is because you all were a part of a couple ministry initiatives, or let me say, you enabled us to be a part of a couple of ministry initiatives. Your giving, your prayers, your ongoing support, you guys have made a whole host of things uh, possible. One of those was a radio ministry. When we, COVID hit, everybody was locked in. Um, so many, uh, so many Ugandans um, didn't have cell phones um, like this one, and so there was a limitation to uh, you know jumping on Zoom or doing church on Facebook Live. Uh, that wasn't possible. And so the Ugandan church leaders were looking around, saying, "Hey, how do we communicate with our people if we're all locked at home?" And curiously enough, they turned to radio. And uh, not everybody has a smartphone, but radio is still a very popular medium throughout Uganda. And so uh, we were able, through partnership with you all and folks like you all, we were able to help the church get a number of their key leaders on radio. They did weekly shows. And I cannot tell you how God used that ministry in a very tumultuous time um, to bring people to Jesus to do all kinds of phenomenal things. We've heard regularly from our church leadership, not just while we were there, but since, expressing their gratitude for the radio ministry that folks like you guys made possible. I mean, I remember more than once, our pastors would get done in the studio, would walk out to go home, and there would be a a person waiting for them. More than once, it was a Muslim waiting for them to talk about Jesus because they'd been listening and and heard about Jesus on radio. 
Uh, we had whole families come to Jesus through that ministry. And it was one of the high points. It wasn't on our radar. God made it possible through, through, uh, through COVID. And that was a tremendous kind of, uh, I want to give glory to God for that. And I want to say thank you to you all for making that possible. The other thing that you guys got to participate and help us be a part of was working with a group of younger leaders in Uganda, particularly in the capital city. There was a handful of men and women, young men and women, ages 18 to 28, kind of in that season, young professionals, all of them wanting more of God and trying to figure out how do they make life work in a very difficult situation and how do they lean in and let God help them. And uh, we got to come alongside them in some fresh ways. We were able to put a couple of them on radio, which they loved and were so excited. And, uh, and, and again, you guys were a part of that. So folks like Joshua Mohindo and Carol and others, um, Joshua Chiro, um, it's like these are folks that you guys have had a part in their story. And uh, you haven't met them, but we have. And so if they were here today, they would want to express their thanks. I want to express their thanks on their behalf. So thank you, Hope Paul, for what you guys have been a part of. And you say, Billy, you're not in Uganda this morning. What's that mean? I'm so glad you asked. Um, we are. We're been, we've been based in Uganda. Well, we felt like the Lord was kind of lifting us up from Uganda. Um, we left in February. We arrived in the States uh, this summer. And WGM, our organization, um, has given us a new assignment. We're still missionaries, still with World Gospel Mission, um, but we're global orality catalysts. And so that's a great business card, isn't it? Um, you say, Billy, what is that? I, again, I'm so glad you asked. Um, what we do is we get the opportunity to come along and help people engage Scripture, particularly through oral means. And kind of the tool that has really been kind of on our heart is oral Bible storytelling. And again, we shared some of that um, during Sunday school. What we have found is we have found that people world over no matter your culture, socioeconomic status, uh, educational level, everybody loves a good story. Now, right away, I know some of you all are saying, no, wait, 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 there's different kinds of stories. Amen. Well, I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm not talking about made-up stories. I'm talking about the stories from the Word of God. And so we're trying to come alongside and help people learn how to tell the stories of Scripture and create a safe place where people can listen and ask questions and encounter Jesus through His Word. And so WGM has asked us to help train other missionaries using these tools, to train other national partners, um, and, 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 and invite other people to kind of take up this tool so that we can help people not just engage Scripture themselves, but then give them some stories of God in their heart pocket so that then when they have our opportunities, they can share those stories with other people. Now, we can talk more about storytelling, or I could just tell you a story. And that's what I want to do this morning. Would it be okay? Thank you, Miss Bonnie. I appreciate that encouraging nod. That helps me. Hey, by way of introduction, because um, I think ultimately when we come to these things, it's so helpful to go back to Jesus. And, and Jesus is our role model. So I do, this morning, I want to look at Jesus not just as a storyteller, but as a master communicator. You say, Billy, why is that important? Because you and I are his spokespersons today. And whether that's on our phones, or whether that's in our families, or whether that's at work or school, 
we become God's spokesperson. So how he communicates becomes very important for you and I, and we want to pay good attention so that we can do the best we can to properly represent Jesus and his word to the world around us because the world is desperate for Jesus. Are we together? Let's look at Jesus. By way of introduction, let me say this. The the Jewish people had a particular enemy, the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans were not particularly fond of the Jews. So with that in mind, this is a true story. It comes from God's Word, and it goes like this. Now a certain lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied and said, what does the law say? How do you read it? And the man replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, you've answered well. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself. Who's my neighbor? He asked. And Jesus replied, There was a certain man who was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of thieves. And they beat him and stripped him and left him for half dead. Now it was that there was a priest who was passing by. And when he came to the place, he saw the man. But he went on around him. Likewise, a Levite, he too came to the place and saw the man, but he also passed by. But it was that there was a Samaritan who was on a journey. And when he came to the place where the man was lying, he saw the man, and his heart was filled with compassion. And he went to the man, and he began to care for his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He bandaged them, and then set the man on his own donkey, and led him to an inn, and took care of him. The next morning, he gave the innkeeper two silver coins, and said to him, take care of him. And if it requires more than this, I will repay when I return. Then Jesus asked the lawyer, Which one of the men was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the thieves? And the lawyer replied and said, The one who had compassion on him. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. And that's the end of the story. Comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Would you bow in just a short prayer with me? Jesus, I thank you for this story, and I thank you for these men and women. Could you come into our few moments as we reflect on this story? We've talked about having a heart for the world, having a heart for Alabama, having a heart for our neighbors. What is it you want us to hear? I pray, Jesus, that you could open up this story in our hearts to your spirit this morning, and you give us grace to obey. In the name of Jesus, amen. Men and women, this is a good story. (laughs) 
And I, I think for many of us, it's a familiar story. Oh, yeah, the Good Samaritan, I love that. I'm intrigued how often, though, the Good Samaritan, it, the story is kind of, de, it's kind of uh, unhinged and relocated. It's kind of its own freestanding story. But I think it actually has to be read in the bigger context. Jesus has just sent out the 70. They're coming back rejoicing. They had power to heal. They had power to cast out demons. And they were preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus is, is delighted by this. And you get this whole kind of dialogue of him, them kind of celebrating together. And he offers up a prayer. He says he re, the, the text says he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit, saying, Father, I praise you for hiding these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealing them to babes. You go on from that, same chapter. You have a wise and intelligent lawyer standing up asking a question. <laughs> I love this about Jesus. He's so good. And I don't think we can unhinge the, the lawyer's question and the good Samaritan from this kind of broader understanding of the chapter. And it's almost like Jesus is talking about at times God hides things from the wise and the intelligent and at other times opens things, opens the eyes of those like, who have childlike faith, babes. I wonder if Jesus is kind of playing in this. There's a certain playfulness here in the chapter. But go with me. You go to this lawyer. This lawyer stands up, challenges Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And again, Jesus is a master communicator. So if that's kind of our lead into this story in this case, how does he handle this guy? <laughs> I'm not interested in hecklers. It's interesting, that would have been a very legitimate response. <laughs> I don't have time for you. I know your motivations. That you're going to distract from everybody else. Would have been a very simple. I'm not going there. But notice what Jesus does. He answers the man's question with what? A couple of questions. What does the law say? How do you read it? And I'm so intrigued by this. I'm a storyteller. I'm fascinated. Jesus doesn't start with a story. Jesus turns around and meets the man right where he's at. You're a professional, you're a professional interpreter, reader of of the Hebrew Scriptures. Jesus doesn't start with the story of the Good Samaritan. He meets the man right where he's comfortable. He says, what does the law say? How do you read it? He gives the man an opportunity to answer his own question. The man says what? He says, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. And again, I'm fascinated by Jesus. Notice the communicator. It's like, well, if you loved me, you wouldn't have that stinky attitude. I mean, that would be, again, so that's how I would respond. It's like kind of just a little dig in there. You got the right answer, but I don't get a big head. Like, but it's like, it's so interesting how winsome Jesus is. You have answered well. Do this and you will live. I'm fascinated how little Jesus says. He's kind of like, yep, you're on the right track. And it's like he's willing to step back. I want to get in there and clarify, qualify, make sure he understands, give him some illustrations, some examples. And Jesus is kind of like, nope, that's enough. 
And what happens? The man wants more. Now, before we go to that, I want to just pause here. All of us are involved in communicating. All of us are involved in interpersonal communication. You do it every day. Whether with your spouse, kids, grandkids, at work, friends, whether it's on your phone, whatever it is, email, Instagram, we're all involved in interpersonal communicating. I think we'd be remiss, though, to blow past this story and just say, is there anything in this story that could be insightful for us as we're trying to communicate our faith and our Jesus in today's world. Notice how approachable Jesus is. He invites this man's question. I want to ask us this morning, are we approachable? Do people feel comfortable coming and asking us questions? When people ask us hard questions, how do we respond? Notice Jesus. He's asked hard questions, and immediately he turns them back and invites, the, invites a dialogue. This isn't, oh, I'll give you an answer. You want to know? I'll give it to you. I've been waiting for you to ask. There's none of that in Jesus. He's not going to tell the lawyer. He's going to invite a conversation. A back and forth. He wants to hear where the lawyer's at. Men and women, I want to ask us this morning, when our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues come to us and ask, do they come to us and ask questions? How do we respond? How's that going? Is there a way we could do it better? more like Jesus. I want to ask, how do I respond to my kids? How do you respond to your grandkids when they ask us questions? We don't ask questions like that. I'm so embarrassed. I cannot believe you just said that. It's interesting. Jesus is not afraid. He's not afraid of the lawyer. He's not afraid of the testing. He's not afraid of any topic. I remember Joe mentioned in the Sunday school, we had the opportunity to do some further study in Scotland. And uh, we were in a, it was a university context, and it was a highbrow kind of like, I, I don't know how to, it was an intimidating atmosphere. And uh, you had folks from all over the world, and we were kind of looking at each other like from northern Uganda wondering, how did God end up, put us here? Um, but that we, were, we were rubbing shoulders with these folks all the time. Very intimidating. And they were asking questions. Most of them were antagonistic, or at least they had an agenda behind them. And they were asking questions about Scripture. They were asking questions about Jesus. They were asking questions about us, missions, everything. And a little bit of kind of like with a little bit of a sneer, eh, eh, like that. And uh, all, all our defenses were up. We're going to protect the Bible. We're going to protect Jesus. We're going to protect missions. We're going to... It's interesting... We were kind of defensive on every end. I don't know how many times, and like we're praying, okay, Jesus, help me go to class. Jesus, help me respond. Jesus, help us with this assignment, whatever, this cup of coffee, whoever we were talking to. I don't know how many times in our prayer time, when we were trying to get ready for a difficult engagement of some kind, 
over and over. It was like Jesus was like, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of that. Like, Jesus, today we're going to talk about this. Do you understand the implications of what they're arguing? Jesus is like, I'm not afraid to go there. There wasn't a topic that we encountered that Jesus was afraid of. I mean, oftentimes it was like, Jesus, this has incredible implications. Do you realize? Jesus didn't agree with the arguments, but there was this deep confidence in Jesus. I am happy to go wherever people are asking questions. And I thought, that's what you see right here in this story. Jesus goes wherever the lawyer is at. He says, let's go there. You want to know about the law? You want to, you've got questions about eternal life? Life after death? What happens to people who don't know God? Jesus is like, let's go there. I'm not afraid. Oh, man. What if I had that kind of atmosphere, that kind of attitude? What if I engaged people with that kind of winsomeness? Does it mean I have to give up on truth? Nope, Jesus doesn't. Does it mean I have to give up on Scripture? Nope, Jesus doesn't. But Jesus does it in a way that's not kind of defiant. It's not protective. It's winsome. It's inviting. It's relational. And I wonder if he's modeling something for me and for you. If you and I are going to reach the world for Jesus, can we reach the world for Jesus by telling them they're wrong? Or is Jesus modeling another way of communicating? And saying, let's pull up a chair. Let's have that conversation. Men and women, what is the conversation that God's stirring in your heart that you need to have with somebody? It doesn't feel safe. There may be heavy topics on the table. And yet God's saying, let's go there. The word of God in my spirit can help you no matter how difficult the questions. It's curious, though, because what happens next? The man's not satisfied with his own answer. Love God, love, the, love your neighbor. He wants something more. He summarized all of the Scriptures in those two propositions. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor. It's a pretty big accolade. Jesus says, you nailed it. But he's not, it's not enough. And so he asks the follow-up question, well, who's my neighbor? I'm fascinated Jesus doesn't define neighbor. A neighbor is someone who is in an, a, close, a close proximity to your own person. Jesus doesn't give a textbook definition. He changes tactics. He pivots his communication style. And what does he offer the man who's asking the questions? He offers him the story of the Good Samaritan. There once was a man who went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Men and women, I wonder if Jesus is modeling for us something. The capacity to be a situational communicator. <laughs> he said, Billy, what do you mean? To say, what do I need to do to reach this person or that person. And it may actually be a different approach than how I'm going to communicate with this one or that one. 
But the responsibility is on me because I want to love my neighbor and do what, it can, what barriers can I help move out of the way so that I can engage whoever God's put on my heart with his word. I love Jesus as the master storyteller. And you get this Good Samaritan story. I mean, I wish we could. We had, I wish we had more time. We could just camp out here. Notice how extensive the care is of the Good Samaritan. It's not a Jew caring for a Jew. It's a Samaritan, the dreaded Samaritan, caring for the Jew. But what does he do? He gives up his time, interrupts his trip. He gives up his own supplies. He shares his own transport, his own vehicle, so to speak, his donkey. He then takes him to an inn. Next morning, he gives of his money, and then he offers his name, I'll be responsible for this man's bill. It doesn't get any more holistic. The Samaritan holistically cares for the needs of the one who got beat up. Men and women, I want to argue, I want to suggest, let me not argue, let me suggest, I think that's the gospel. You say, Billy, what do you mean? You and I are the ones on the side of the road, beaten, bruised, with nothing left to offer. And God in His kindness through Jesus Christ has come to us. And His heart has been filled with compassion. And He says, that one I can take care of. And he doesn't just do it partway. He doesn't just do it halfway. He doesn't just kind of push you on the way, so to speak. He says, I want to take care of all that is necessary for your healing and restoration. That's the gospel. And it's available to us. It's what, all, it's what some of us here in the room, have, so many of us in the room have experienced, but it also is what he's inviting us then to take to a lost and dying world. Jesus is the one who has been a neighbor to me and to you. And he's inviting us now to be a neighbor to the world around us. Joanne and I have experienced you all being a neighbor to us. Your ongoing support, the ways you guys have prayed for us, you guys have cared for us as we've transitioned from one place of ministry in Uganda to another. We're based out of Kentucky this year. But can I tell you, this has been the fun part. If we've been asking God, God, what does it mean to be an oral, a global orality catalyst? We get to come alongside people and help them learn to tell and engage Scripture. Tell the stories of Scripture. Engage God through His Word. You guys are getting to be a part of that. And you're having a more global reach than you realize. So uh, last, sat last Saturday, we worked with the church's uh, life group leaders up in Ohio, trying to help them get some of the basics for how they could share Bible stories with their small groups. Tuesday of this last week, we were on a Zoom call. It was a Zoom, it was an orality prayer meeting. 
And we had folks representing Portugal, Nigeria. We had several from Nigeria, uh, Manila, then the Philippines. We, uh, we, had, folks, we had folks coming from um, uh, Nigeria. Uh, I, had, I had half a dozen of them. Nigeria, uh, Manila, Portugal, India. It's like we had this whole group of folks that were interested in orality, wanting to pray for folks that do not have access to Scripture. It was like, oh, this is an opportunity to have conversations with people around the world. God's given us a fun platform through orality. God's given us a fun platform, and we get to represent you all with a group called the Luzon Network. It's a big mission network, but it's folks that are coming together to say, what can we do to reach the world for Jesus? They're trying to connect global influencers with God's ideas. They're putting together a huge Congress in 2024, and they're doing all kinds of collaborative listening calls, trying to bring together different groups and saying, how do we work together to reach the world for Jesus? We've got to play a role through orality, and we're getting to be participate in those conversations. Last year, we were a part of a conversation. We had three days with a group. There was 180 of us from 45 different countries. Joanne and I, get to represent you all in places like that. Men and women, I can tell you, those folks, they knew Jesus. Those are the kind of things that God's opening up for us. And we're saying, what? Where's this coming from? That's not because of Joe and I. That's because God is interested in trying to reach a lost and dying world. And he's looking for men and women like you and I who are willing to say, I love God, and I love my neighbor. I've been curious by the fact that for me, my, when my closest neighbor so often is Joanna. And as, as we've uh, we just celebrated 20 years in marriage, um, just the end of last month, which was fun. It's interesting, one of the things I've realized over 20 years is when I'm missing with Joanna, so oftentimes, that's a good indicator, I'm missing with Jesus. Not always, but often. I wonder if that's true for some of the rest of us. You say, Billy, things are good with God. I'm loving God. Let me ask, how's it going? Loving your neighbor. Because oftentimes, how we are loving our neighbor is a good, honest expression of how well we're loving Jesus. And our text today makes it real clear. There's only two things you and I are responsible for. Love God. Love our neighbor. Oh, Paul, as we still are in the beginning season of 2023, how's that going? What can we learn from Jesus so that we could communicate our love for him better, but also we could communicate our love for our neighbor better? I think it's worth asking, who is our neighbor? Spouse? Kids? Grandkids? Somebody across the street? colleague at work, 
Who's our neighbor? Somebody involved in friendship mission? Or the uh, first choice? The pregnancy, the crisis pregnancy counseling center? Who's your neighbor for 2023? Folks down in Guatemala? Somewhere else around the world that God's stirring in your heart? What would it look like for you to say, how could I love them afresh? How could I communicate the love of God like Jesus in this new year? You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hole United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumc.org sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.